Well, good morning to you. It is so good to see you this morning. Thank you for braving that cold rain outside to be here today. Uh, it is wonderful to see you here, and uh, we're just delighted that you're part of this worship service. And uh, I, I want to call your attention to the beautiful flowers up front. Uh, they are for a very special occasion. Today is Miss Willie Curley's birthday, and little birdie told me, that if you cut her in half, you can count 88 rings. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. All right. So we appreciate the beautiful flowers, and we wish you a very happy birthday, Miss Willie. Uh, and we appreciate all your family that has come to celebrate with you today as well. And there's many more of them making their way here for a big celebration. But thank you again for being here. It's good to see you. I hope that you picked up a bulletin or grabbed one on the way in. Uh, every one of these are very, very important. Make sure you read through those. Uh, the African Mission Trip Love Offering. Now, the way we're going to do that today is just that if you have that with you and you want to give it, uh, you can do one of two things. On the way out of the, the sanctuary, you can drop it in the offering box out in the front foyer or... Uh, a little bit later on, uh, at, toward the end of the service, you can come and put it in one of these offering plates up front. But we appreciate any help that you can give to our African mission team. Uh, they're planning to leave in the end of June and come back the 1st of July. So they've, uh, their, their time is drawing nigh, and they're having to come up with the funds to do that. And it, it is a very expensive trip because it's a long way. Uh, it's two weeks, and all their all the food is provided, all the travels provided. Uh, so it's a it's a turnkey operation, and it can be very expensive. So any help that you can give them is very greatly appreciated today. Uh, also, I uh, want to make sure that those of you that are part of our uh, building the grounds team, preschool team, and finance team. Uh, make sure you know that we're going to meet here in this uh, in the sanctuary at five o'clock this afternoon. Uh, there's some things I just want to go over with you and talk about with you and get your input on as far as concerning uh, upgrading our uh, our playground equipment. They, it's in dire need of of some work, and so we're going to be talking about that. So I want to remind those groups that we're going to be meeting this afternoon. Vacation Bible School is without a doubt. One of the greatest opportunities we have to reach children and their families with the love of Christ. Without a doubt, it is the greatest opportunity that we have. And we can't have Vacation Bible School without you, without your help, without your, you volunteering and you serving. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet, or actually there's a three-page sign-up sheet out in the front foyer. Uh, we would love for you to stop by there and uh, let us know where you would like to serve. Maybe you can't serve every night of Vacation Bible School, but you can serve certain nights. Let us know uh, because we would love to be able to plug you in and uh, allow you to serve in whatever uh, time frame and capacity that you are able to serve. So please uh, be a part of Vacation Bible School. I told you last week the burden on my heart. Uh, is uh, to is to build our children's ministry, and so we're going after that. We're going after it hard and heavy, and and this is where it starts: is you and I deciding that we want to do something to reach the children and their families with the love of Christ. So please make sure you sign up for that. 
We're going to take just a moment to pray together. Then we're going to jump into our time of worshiping through song. Thank you again for being here. God bless you. How many of you would rather be here today than the finest hospital in Stanley County? Ah, well, good. I'm glad you're here instead of the finest hospital in Stanley County, too. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for allowing us to be in this place of worship today. Not a single one of us in this room is here by accident. But every one of us, Lord, is here by divine appointment. You knew long before this day ever came about that you were going to call each one of us to this house of worship for this day. And we thank you for every person who's heeded that call and has, been, has come to be here today. Thank you for those who have logged on and are watching uh, through the Internet today. Lord, thank you for every one of them. We just pray, Lord, that as we go through our time together today, that your Holy Spirit is just going to fall fresh upon this place. We pray, Spirit of God, that you have your will and your way in our lives, that you have your will and your way in this service, that we honor and exalt the name of Jesus above every name. We thank you, Lord, that you have promised us that when just as few as two or three gather in your name, that you're going to be in the midst of them. So we know, Lord, that you're in this place. It's not a if you come, it is that you are here. And so help us to be aware of your presence. Help us to have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Give us a heart that is open toward heaven to receive that which you have for us today. But most of all, Lord, we pray that there's going to be encouragement for the discouraged that there's going to be healing for the hurting, that there's going to be help for those who are searching. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, we give you our time, we give you ourselves, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. I would invite you to please stand and join us as we sing. Spirit of the
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us, dear Lord. Thank you for the wonderful sunshine that you've given us this week, and thank you for the rain today. Dear Lord, uh, uh, thank you for uh, Pastor Tommy. Thank you for uh, uh, his blessings that uh, he's going to bring us today. Uh, dear Lord, uh, just um, bless the offering that we're about to receive. Um, bring it to the kingdom, glory to God. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. You know, I don't think we often realize the significance of what Jesus did for us. We become so used to hearing the story and reading the story in our Bibles of the crucifixion and the resurrection that often sometimes we begin to allow it to impact us. And we become so familiar with it that it loses some of its power over our lives. But friends, if you want to really know how important the blood is, just decide that you're going to try to live your life one day without yours. <laughs> Somehow, some way, you're just going to drain the blood out of your body. You know what? You're, a, you're, you're not going to survive. The Bible says that life is in the blood. And it's not just in the blood that we have in our bodies because it carries oxygen to uh, different parts of our body, because it nourishes our body, because it sustains us, but the blood is important because that is the price for our sin. It Jesus poured out his blood, not because it was a way to redeem us, not because it was uh, his preferred way to redeem us. Jesus poured out his blood on the cross because it was the only way to redeem us. And he did it out of love. He did it willingly so that we could know him personally. If you have your Bibles, will you join me in the book of Colossians chapter number 3? Colossians chapter number 3. And while you're making your way there, let me remind you that tomorrow night uh, we will have the second of uh, this month's uh, revival services with Reverend Anthony Clemens. He will be with us at 7 o'clock tomorrow evening. Many of you know Brother Anthony and his time with us in the past, but for those of you who may not know him, he is the pastor of Mount Olive Baptist Church in Bolivia, North Carolina. And yes, there is such a place as Bolivia, North Carolina. You, you go to Supply, North Carolina, and turn north, and you'll run right into it on Highway 17. But he's going to be with us tomorrow night. Uh, we had uh, a, a tremendous service last Monday night. We Brother Mark preached an amazing message. Uh, the... The music from Prospect Baptist Church was amazing. The only thing that was not amazing about last Monday night was us. We just didn't show up. Uh, there were so few of us here uh, last Monday night. So I want to encourage you that if there's any way possible that you can be here uh, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, please do so. We've had some wonderful volunteers. Uh, Darren and Pam took care of the nursery last Monday night. Uh, Ashley and Jane Ellen are taking care of the nursery this Monday night. Uh, Miss Betty and Sarah Kerr are taking care of the nursery the next Monday night. So we do have one last Monday night where we need some folks that will help us uh, take care of the babies in the nursery. So uh, when we finish up here in just a little while, if that's something you would be willing to help with on that final Monday night to keep uh, the children in the nursery, please let me know. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. 
Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you for the honor, the privilege that is ours to be in this house of worship. Lord, there's a lot of different reasons that we've shown up here today. But the one thing that we all have in common is that for these moments, Lord, we now sit at your feet, as you teach us your word, as you guide us in truth, as you you work in our life to, to encourage, to correct, to build us up, to reprove. Whatever it may be, Lord, that we need in our life this morning, you've brought us here for that purpose. And Lord, for this, these last few moments, help us to be open to what you're wanting to do in our life. That, Lord, that our mind won't be occupied elsewhere. That we'll not let the things of this world rob us of our attention to your word. And that for this little while, Lord, as we sit at your feet, we can feed upon the truth that you have for us. So guide us in our time together. Lord, made from the, these lips of clay, from this earthen vessel, pour forth your words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A truly born-again believer, serving the real Jesus, not the Jesus that the culture has fabricated, this mamby-pamby Santa Claus guy that the world wants to call Jesus, not this weak and powerless clueless being that the world has fabricated as Jesus, but the real Jesus of the Bible. When we are a believer serving the real Jesus of the Bible, it should make a marked difference in our daily lives. We as those who have been redeemed, truly saved by grace, our life should look different than those who are who are still searching for God, those who are yet to be saved, who are still finding their way. Our lives should be markedly different. The lost world, even around us, those who are who are searching, those who are who are looking for the truth, they should be able to to distinguish between a true believer and one that doesn't know Jesus. You see, they don't need, the world doesn't need to see more of your religion. The world needs to see more of your Jesus. They need to see something different in you. They need to see a hope in you. They need to see a a hope in me. They need to see a life in me and a life in you that, that they're searching for. Something's different about us. 
What is it? I, I want to know. They need to be drawn as a moth to a flame. They need to be drawn to the gospel of Jesus because they see something in us that they desperately want. Paul's going to spend most, if not all, of chapter 3 explaining to us the difference a relationship with the real Jesus should make in our lives. He, he's going to use these first four verses to explain the difference and describe the difference that Jesus should make in our thought life. See, I, I'm going to be honest with you. That's where I have my greatest battle. I fight Tommy every day right here. I fight him every day. Odds are many of you are the same way. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that somehow, some way, you have, you, you've, you've lost your way. It just means that you're human. I mean, Paul even said, the things that I want to do, that's the things I'm not doing. And the things I, I, I am doing are the things I don't want to do. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm battling here. Do, do, do you not find yourself sometimes in that battle right here? You see, I believe that for us to live a life that makes a difference, it begins in the heart with a relationship with Jesus, but it is played out, it is shown, it is, it is made active through what we do in here. The Bible has a lot to say about our thought life. He begins chapter 3 by saying, therefore. In other words, he's pointing back to chapters 1 and 2, and he's, he's showing us, okay, because there is a real Jesus who, who is powerful and mighty, because there is a real Jesus who makes a real difference, because there is a real Jesus who redeems the people that, that come to him and, and seek him out for salvation, for those who truly want to believe, because of that, there should be some things going on in our life. I want to point to two differences that he mentions in these first four verses. The first one is simply this. Jesus should be making a difference in our pursuits. He talks about that in verse 1 and 2 where he says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind... On the things above, not on the things that are on earth. He talks about our pursuits. Whether you realize it or not, every person in this room is pursuing something. We're all chasing after, pursuing something. There's, there's some kind of goal. There's some kind of, of, of target in front of us that all of us are working toward. We're all pursuing Something. Some of the more common pursuits in the culture around us is uh, success. We, we want to be successful at whatever it is that we do. Some people are pursuing that financial freedom. They want to be able to, to pay off all of their, their debt and live debt free. And others are pursuing meaningful relationships. They're, they're trying to build a better marriage. They're trying to build a, a, a better home. They're trying to build better friendships. Some people are 
pursuing contentment or notoriety or respect from peers. Some are pursuing greater knowledge. And while none, not one pursuit that I've mentioned here is bad. Can you, can I say that up front? None of those are bad things. They're all very worthy of our pursuit. But if we're not careful, our pursuits can lead us to be self-centered. Where the world revolves around us. And, and we're the ones that's trying to control and manipulate everything around us. As I'm pursuing this, I'm also trying to manipulate circumstances and manipulate people and manipulate things to make it work to my advantage so that I reach my goal. If we're not careful, these good pursuits can make us self-centered. Where it becomes all about us. Me getting what I want, when I want it, how I want it, where I want it. And, and, and doing whatever I need to do in order to get that which I want. And it's been proven over and over again. Our lives tend to move toward the things that we pursue most. All of us are moving towards some goal. We're pursuing something. Our pursuits control our decision making. Our pursuits control our mentality. And oftentimes our pursuits even control how we view and treat others around us. The point Paul is trying to make here is that the proper pursuit for those who are serving the real Jesus, whatever that, 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 that thing is, should have underlying it, undergirding it, surrounding it, bathing it, insulating it, guiding it, a living relationship with Jesus. That that is the vehicle that we're to use as we go through our pursuit. <clears throat> so what does it mean, seek the things above? He's pointing to the pursuit of things that have eternal and heavenly value. We would be absolutely amazed if, if our life were laid bare before the whole world. How many of us are pursuing things that have absolutely, positively, no eternal or heavenly value? They're all for right here, right now, where I am, what I want, make me feel good, make me happy kind of things. They're not eternal pursuits. They have an eternal value. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, Paul said, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. In other words, he said, those are the kind of things that ought to be driving our thinking so that our pursuit is where it's supposed to be. I truly believe that while these other pursuits are all worthy and good, that what God is telling us is that as you are moving toward that goal, 
as you are pursuing these things, do it with an eternal mindset. In other words, if success in what I do for a living is a goal that I have, my goal should be, how can I glorify God while pursuing my success? If financial freedom, which is a a great goal to have, If financial freedom is my goal, and that's a worthy goal, it should be, how can I glorify God in my pursuit of financial freedom? If being better at what God is calling me to do is my goal, the question always becomes, how can I glorify God as I pursue that? That is... What Paul's telling us. Pursuits of a truly born again believer, someone who serves the real Jesus, needs to have at its very root, at its very base, that I want whatever it is that God has put me in this world to do to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. I want it to point every, as, as I am pursuing that goal that God maybe has given me, which I, I believe God gives us these kind of goals, but as I'm pursuing it, I'm pursuing it with the, with, with the idea that my life is to attract those around me to the living relationship that I have with a living God through the living Jesus Christ heading toward a eternal heaven. I, my life should be Drawing people to Jesus as I pursue. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Preachers struggle with this just as much as anybody else does. We do. I'm not. I'm not lying to you. Now, here's what I mean. I'm just. Can I, can I be transparent with you this morning? Will you allow me to do that? You won't take a vote at the end of the service and vote me out, right? I have your word on that. Okay. Prior to going on sabbatical, there were some opportunities that afforded themselves to me. Really good opportunities. And I could, I, my, my ego kicked in. And I thought, well, I can see myself doing that. Two different associations looking for associational directors. Bringing my phone saying, hey man, hey man, come on, let's interview. We want to talk to you. Another church calling saying, hey, we really like you, man. We think, we think you know, you could really help us. Will you come talk to us? So the month of February, I'm just sitting there going, you know, God, if you'll just cut me loose from First Baptist, there's some really cool stuff I can be doing. And I was feeling good about, I was feeling good about Tommy at, February 1st, okay? I'll be honest with you. I really was. I thought, whew, I'm in demand. You know, does that not stroke your ego? But the more I went through February and the more I prayed, the more God said, you know that that's not me, right? It's not that those are bad things. It's just that's not me calling you to that. That's you calling you to that. And, and, and God said, look, I, I want you to nail your feet to the floor at First Baptist. And I argued with God, and I fussed at God. 
And me and him went round and round and round and round and round and round, and that was for 28 days. Until on March 1st, I had to make some phone calls and tell some people, hey, look, drop my name off your list. Just drop my name off your list. Drop my name off your list. Now, I'm not telling you that because I want you to feel like, oh, Tommy's some great guy. I don't want you, I want you to know I struggle with that too. I struggle with this as much as you do. I struggle with ego. I struggle with, with, with self-centeredness. I struggle with, with selfishness as much as you do. Or anyone else does. But what God has helped me understand, and he's used passages just like this, is, is this, that, Tommy, it doesn't matter where you are. If you're pursuing what I've called you to pursue, and you're allowing me to be in it, then, and you're doing it to glorify me, then everything is going to be okay. Now, I ain't going to lie to you. I walked in here to 116 people last Sunday, and that discouraged me again. I got here Monday night. We had 50 people, and that's with a visiting choir. I was discouraged again. And God had to remind me again this week, look, dude, come on, back up, back up. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you can do. It's not about your ego. It's not about anything about me. It's, God is saying, look, there's a goal out there that I've pointed you toward, and I want you, to, I want you to run toward it as hard and as fast as you can run toward it, and I want you to glorify me in the process. It's not about you. It's about the, the glory of the king. We march under the king's orders. We march under the king's banner. We have been blood-bought, saved by grace. We have been born into the family of God. And it's not about us anymore. We've been purchased with a price. We belong to the king. And our job is to march to the king's orders. And glorify him as we march. And as the arrows fly. And as the enemies mount. And as we become discouraged. And as we become weary. Our pursuit is that Lord. I want you to be glorified in what you called me to do. That's what God's called us to do. Pursue what he has given us to pursue. But do it with the mindset. That I want Jesus to be glorified. We were sitting with. And she may be watching. She, we, we were sitting with Miss Lynn and, and Dale Austin this week. Brandon and I were there. And she had asked me a question or two, and we got to talking about death and dying, that process. And, you know, here's what I had to tell her, because this is what God had to do in me. I don't know how I'm going to die. It may be today. I may drop dead in this, this pulpit with a heart attack. I, I, don't know what, I don't know when I'm going to die. But here, here's, here's where it's at. That however God has called you to die, die with such grace that every person around you sees Jesus in your dying. That's the goal. Oh, I don't... Listen, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm okay if I don't go today. But however God has called us to whatever it is that he's called us to do, whether it's living or, or, or dying, we do it with the pursuit of, I want Jesus. 
to be so evident in whatever it is that I'm pursuing that no one can miss it, that no one can misconstrue it, that no one can, can misunderstand it, that, I, that, that I'm so focused on it as, as trying to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and whatever the pursuit is, that He is glorified in the pursuit. There's a second thing that He wants to make different in our lives, not just our pursuit, but also our perspective. Look at verse 3. Excuse me, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, <laughs> which amounts to idolatry. What, what is he saying? The word perspective is defined as a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something. In other words, it is your point of view. Whether you realize it or not, and this is, this was, this is what I had to come to grips with in February. All of us look at life through a lens, you're looking, you look at life through a lens. That lens is your experience. That lens is your emotions. That lens is through your relationships. That lens is through, is through multiple things. But you look at life through that lens. Everything that you encounter filters through that lens. And that lens is your perspective. It's how you are seeing the world around you, the events that you are in the middle of, it's how you see those things. You have a lens. I have a lens. That lens is our perspective. Now, before coming to Jesus for salvation and forgiveness, our perspective, our lens, is dominated by our sinful, selfish nature. Life is all about us. Before coming to Christ, everything that happens around us, everything that's happening in our life is filtered through the lens of how does it affect me? How does it help me? How does it make me reach my goal? How does it make me uh, look better in front of my peers? How does it affect my life? That's our lens before coming to Christ. It is our sinful, selfish lens. The only thing that we see around us is all pertaining to us. Now, even as a believer, and that's why I'm trying to be transparent with you, even as a believer, sometimes it's easy to take off one set of lenses, which is the Word of God and the truth of God, and put on another set of lenses, which is all about us. Ooh, that looks good. I can do that. That makes me feel good about me. That strokes my ego. That makes me feel good. That makes me look important. If we're not careful. The lens that we, of the flesh and our sin and our selfishness is tainted and distorted because of our own brokenness and our own sinfulness. That's why the very world we live in has tried to pervert everything that God has created pure and holy. Everything that God has created pure and holy. The world who looks at it through that, that, 
that sinful, distorted lens begins to distort those holy things and make them something unholy because it benefits the person who's, who's doing it. I don't, I don't want to do marriage that way. I want to do marriage this way, so that's what I'm going to do. That's what my lens does to me. I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to live that lifestyle. I want to live that lifestyle, and my lens distorts it so that it tells me that it's okay to do that. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to point people to Jesus. I want to point people to me. That's what the distorted lens does. It distorts our view of marriage. It distorts our view of relationship between a man and a woman. It distorts the view of right and wrong. It distorts what is righteous and what is evil. It. In our, and in our society today, listen, it even distorts gender. It distorts everything. When we're looking at life through that sinful, broken, fleshly lens because we're lost and undone without Jesus. When, when we're dying in our darkness and in our sin, that lens distorts everything. And, and we want to know, listen, we can rage at the world all we want to, but they, they are doing the only thing that they can do, which is look through the lens that they have. And before coming to the real Jesus, our perspective is anything but God-honoring. But when we become a truly born-again believer, saved by grace, Brought out of darkness into light. Saved from death into life. When we are now redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Walking toward a heavenly and eternal home. For the glory of God. To build His kingdom for His glory. Our perspective begins to shift. From seeing everything through our sin. To seeing everything from our new life in Christ. Now listen to me, believer, you are not just filled with the life of Jesus. But according to the word of God, your life is now hidden in Christ. He's not just in you, you are in him. So now you and I, as being in Christ, have access to a, a, a perspective, a lens that we never had before. Now, for the first time in my entire life, as a born-again believer, now I have a lens that sees things through the, God, the eyes of God and in the eyes of Christ. Where before all I could see was, how does this help me? How does this make me richer? How does this make me better? How does this point people to me? When my ego is driving my sinful, now in the life of Christ, I, I'm able to put on a new lens. I'm able to put on a new perspective. And I look at the world around me. And instead of seeing ways that I, they can serve me, now all of a sudden I start seeing that there's a world that needs Jesus. And I, and I start seeing the hurting. And I start seeing the suffering. And I start seeing the brokenness. And I start seeing the sinfulness. And God starts saying, I have called you, saved you, redeemed you for a reason to make a difference in their lives. 
Suddenly those who I disagree with and, and don't always jihad with, I'm able to look at them with the love of God and look through them through the lens of my life in Christ and see that they are people just like me, that they are broken just like me, that they have a sinful nature just like I have a sinful nature, and that they need Jesus just like I do. That's the difference. Perspective changes. Jesus wants us to see the world through his eyes. And when we do so, we'll not only be able to live with a proper perspective, but now we're able to live with his compassion for a lost and a dying world, with a world that's filled with, with lost and dying people. When, 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 I, when I allow his life in my life in him and his life in me to, to change the way I see the world around me, suddenly my heart breaks for those who live differently and outside of God's will. Instead of being appalled by it, I become broken by it. You see, that's the difference. That's the difference. A living relationship with Jesus should make a marked difference in our lives. It should change my pursuit. It should change my perspective. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation together. And, and here's the question I, that we need to answer. Do... My pursuits point people to Jesus and have an eternal value? Or do my pursuits point people to me that say, look at me. Look what I've accomplished. Look at the skills and abilities that I have. Look at what I can offer. Or do your pursuits tell a broken world, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? I'm just a, I'm, I'm just a hungry beggar that needed bread, and I can tell you where you can get it because I can tell you where I found mine. That as I pursue those things, I'm telling the, the world around me that there's a God who is real, that there's a Savior who is real, and that He can make a difference in a person's life. So that's the first question. Do, do your pursuits... Point people to Jesus, or do they point people to you? And that second question is simply, is your perspective, that lens you're seeing life through, is it self-centered? Is it all about what can, what, what can be gained and garnered for you? Or is your perspective that you are looking through the eyes of Jesus to see a hurting and a dying world now if jesus isn't making these two differences in your life today then one or two things need to happen either number one you're just a religious person you may just be a church-going lost person and what you need more than anything else is not another relationship with another church or, or another religious group but what you need today is a relationship with jesus if that's what you need today, I, when we sing in a few moments, I'm going to be up here at the front. You come and you say, Tommy, I, 
I need to I need to know Jesus. I'm I'm kind of you know I'm I'm good. I'm moral. I'm religious, but I, I'm not saved. I need to know how to know Jesus. I, I'd love to share with you. It may be that you've been saved, and if these these things aren't happening in your life, if that's not your pursuit, if that's not your perspective, it may be that you're saved, but you're just living at a distance from God. You, you've done. Can, can I tell you something? You, you, you've done what I was doing. You took off one lens. The lens that Jesus gave you. And you set it to the side and you put on the other one. And you started looking at life about you. Maybe today that you just need to come back to God and, and, and change lenses. Let Him change your perspective again. Recommit yourself and your life to Christ. I, I don't know what you may need this morning. Here's, here, can I tell you what I know? I can only tell you what I know, and I'm going to tell you what I know. I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is that whatever God is calling us toward it is for his glory not ours how is your pursuit and how's your perspective you know what i mentioned last sunday we you know we're going to go hard and we're going to go heavy after children's ministry and we are but god's helping by god's grace we're going hard and we're going heavy after children's ministry but can i back up and say this if the only reason we're doing it so we can look good as a church, if the only reason we're doing it so we can look good as a ministry, if the only reason we can do it is because I want to look good as a pastor so that Zach can look good as a minister, then if that's the only reason we're doing it, God's not going to honor it and we're not going anywhere. But if we're doing it because we want to build the kingdom of God, because we want to glorify the name of Jesus, because we want the people around us to know the goodness of a relationship with a living God who loved them and who, who, who wants them to, to spend eternity with him. If we're doing this because we know that Jesus loves those kids and loves those parents and loves those grandparents, if we're doing it for that reason, can I tell you something? If we put that as our perspective, we put that as our pursuit, and Jesus is all around it, in it, he is the one that's guiding it, multiplying it. Can I tell you something? You better strap in and you better strap on because you're going to be overrun because God has sent people to that kind of church. So how's our pursuits? How's our perspective? Let's pray. Father, man, I, Lord, you know my heart. I've made a mess of things. I allowed distraction to come in. I allowed myself to start thinking all about Tommy. <laughs> Father, thank you for forgiving me for that. Thank you, Lord, that when I cried out, you heard my cry. That 
you honored your promise in the, your word that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I stand before these people that I love. I stand before these people that I care about. And Lord, I confess before them as I have confessed before you that I allowed myself to become self-centered, egotistical. God, help me. Forgive me. But Lord, I can't help but believe that I'm not alone in this. That there are good people sitting in this room right now who've allowed their who've allowed their pursuit and their perspective become tainted. That they've turned everything inward where life pursuits, perspective has come up, become all about them. Lord, I know where they are because I've, I've been there. Right now, Lord, would you show them? Will you teach them? Will you guide them by the power of your Holy Spirit to see that there's, there's so much more that you want to do with them, in them, through them, that there's so much more that you want to accomplish in their life to build your kingdom for your glory. Lord, so that men and women, boys and girls can come to know Jesus as their Savior, that their their eyes can be opened, that their darkness can be turned to light, that their death can be turned to life. And Lord, may today be the day that we as individuals and we as a church get our pursuit right and get our perspective right. You are the king, the master, the ruler, the creator of all things. It is only by your grace, by your blood, and through your mercy that we can know you. And Lord, if there is one sitting in this room right now who may be religious, who may be moral but they're not they're they're not saved by your grace they don't have a relationship with you i pray that right now lord right now will you go to that place in that pew and will you sit down in that lap and will you reveal to them lord that they may have a lot of good qualities and they may have a lot of great things about them but the one thing they lack is the greatest thing they need and that's you May today be the day that they surrender their life to you. Lord, do a work in our life. Do a work in our hearts. So that we can take our eyes off of ourselves, And we can bask and walk in your glory. And bring honor to your name. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
song. Let's sing that one again whenever you feel like it and God leads you to it. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just one quick second. I want to invite uh, John and Athena, if they will, to come up.
Hey, guys. I want to tell you, if you hadn't had a chance to meet this couple yet, you need to do so. This is a, a wonderful husband and wife team right here. Good people. It's been an honor to get to, to know them. Uh, this is uh, John and Athena Foreman. Uh, they have come this morning wishing to unite with our church. They've uh, gone through our discovery class. They're saved by grace. They've been baptized uh, by water. And they uh, come today saying that this is the church family they believe God is leading them to be a part of, to serve in and to be served by. So, uh, listen, you guys are coming. And I'm so sorry. I'm having to ask you this by letter from Aquadale. Okay. And I knew that. I just didn't write it down. And, um, and every time I go to sleep, I forget something I should remember. And I, I slept last night, so that's it. Um, they're, <laughs> they're, co- they're coming by letter from Aquadale. So what is, the, what is the pleasure of the church? Do I have a motion that we receive them? Okay, have motion. Do I have second? All right. Then if you promise to love them, encourage them, and pray for them as part of this church body, uh, would you signify that with the uplifted hand? Thank you so much. All opposed, same sign. All right, there you go, guys. So it is official, all right? Uh, I'm going to, do y'all feel comfortable staying up here and let people shake your hands? Do y'all feel comfortable with that? Okay. Uh, then what we're going to do is we're going to be dismissed in prayer. Uh, if you would like to give to the African mission trip, you can place uh, your donation in the box out in the front foyer, or you can drop it in one of these offering plates up here at the front, uh, whichever serves your purpose better. But I want to thank you for being here today. I want to invite you to come by if you feel comfortable doing so and uh, welcome uh, this wonderful family into our our church family. And I know that they would be delighted to meet you. And I hope you'll get to know them and give them a chance to to get to know you. Uh, And if I haven't told you lately, can I tell you right now? I love you. I do. I love you. And I appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Let's be dismissed in prayer. Father God, you're so good. Lord, when when we get off track, it's in your love and in your grace you call us back. And with your mercy and your grace, you clean us up, you wash us off, and you put us back on the track you want us on. Thank you for that. Lord, I, I, I just thank you for John and Athena. I thank you for the friendship that we've begun to forge with them. What a beautiful, beautiful family. Thank you, Lord, for leading them here to this church body. Help us, God, to be good stewards of their gifts and their talents. But, Lord, also help us to be a blessing to them, to serve them as a body, that they may grow in their walk with Christ. And, Lord, as they do so, that they will bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be here today. I pray that you go with us as we leave this place. That, Lord, whatever it is that you've called us to do, that we do it. Not with our eyes upon how it benefits us or makes us better. But with our heart and mind on how can we glorify you. For you and you alone are worthy 
of all glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm so glad you